0: Now on Drama on News Talk, the premiere of a brand new homegrown radio play. Writer Brian Gallagher celebrates the murder mystery genre in an Irish setting with twists, turns, and nothing being quite what it seems. In Paid in Full.
1: John, you're a little early. Am I? A tad, but I like an eager beaver. Come on into the living room. I'm trying to pick a scarf.
0: I'd say the one you've chosen is just right.
1: Good answer. (laughs) I brought half a dozen home. One of the drawbacks of running your own boutique. But then, I don't suppose I'm really shopkeeper material.
0: Well, I thought you got a certain amount of enjoyment from it.
1: It stops me vegetating. But it's hardly the love of my life.
0: Talking about love.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh, Doctor, you're becoming increasingly bold.
0: It's nice, isn't it?
1: Yes, I like the way you've shed your inhibitions.
0: Was I that inhibited?
1: I'm afraid you were, until I prescribed my cure.
0: From country doctor to uninhibited sensualist. A case study. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you still have to be careful. We don't want Robert getting suspicious.
0: He's not, is he?
1: God, No. My husband is too caught up in critiques and plots from old movies. Well,
0: I'd be glad when the subterfuge is over.
1: It'll be soon. You're not wavering about our plan.
0: No, 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 no. I'm committed.
1: It will be the perfect crime. And once Robert's out of the way, it'll be just you and me.
0: Let's marry as soon afterwards as possible. We
1: will. I'm eager too. (laughs) So, tell me more about tonight's match.
0: The annual tie with Ardmore is a big deal. Middle-aged ladies playing bridge as if their lives depended on it. A cauldron of passion.
1: Sounds entertaining. It
0: is. There are people still bearing grudges after last year's match.
1: I couldn't even begin to take bridge that seriously.
0: You've been honoured. Only here 11 months and chosen to partner me on the team.
1: A lethal partnership, you might say. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Talking of which. Hello, Robert. Robert, get everything done?
2: I'm just about... I'll never get used to the idea that you can't get anything done in a hurry in this village. Part of it's charm, surely. Not for a working journalist. Still, it means my nerves need soothing with a consoling glass of whiskey.
0: Join me in a drink? I could be tempted.
1: We don't want to cut it too fine. Janet's too soon. Time
0: enough for a quick one. Fine. what do you have?
1: Uh sherry, please.
0: One
2: sherry coming up.
0: John? Uh, Gin and tonic, please. Uh, uh, Temperate measure. (laughs) One temperate gin and tonic.
2: And last, but by no means least, one large whiskey.
1: A large whiskey at this hour.
2: It's my reward system. The more frustrations I suffer during the day, the greater the solace I award myself in the evening. And today was a large whiskey day. Cheers.
1: That'll be Janet. I'll get it. I'm not too early, am I? No, not at all. Hello. Hello,
2: Janet. Evening, Janet. Care for a
1: tipple? Oh,
2: I don't know. Go on, be a devil. Dry sherry, isn't it? Thank you, Robert. I was just wishing Ellen and John good luck in tonight's match.
3: Oh, yes. Big night tonight.
2: Now, try that for size. Oh,
1: plenty. Thank you.
2: So, what about this pair
0: here? Think they'll pull it off?
1: Well, now... I'm sure Janet and Gloria would play just as well. You
0: can always count on the Shanahan sisters. Oh, no. <laughs> To a successful evening. <laughs> Here's looking at you, kid.
1: Must everything be a film fantasy? Why not?
2: It's usually better than reality. Can't
1: you wish us luck without making it a game?
2: Easy blue eyes You're letting your nerves get to you.
1: I think we ought to make a move. <laughs> Thank you. That was lovely. Yes, thanks for the G&T. I'll see you later.
0: Yes. Good luck. Bye, Robert. Bye, Janet.
2: Right. Mood music while doing paperwork. Why didn't you come to your godfather before now? Why didn't you come to your godfather before, huh? Right. Great American Directors, a series of in-depth interviews. Just what the editor ordered. Hello, Jack. Fine, thanks. And yourself? Good, good. Uh, you asked me to let you know when I got the director interview set up? Yes, I was onto the agent today. Apparently our man will be in Dublin on the 27th of November, and I've set up a meeting. What? No, I don't think so. They seemed willing enough. Great. Well, I'll keep you posted when I make progress on the other ones. OK, Jack. Yeah, you too. Yeah, cheers. OK, one call made, one to go... Hello, Gillian. Robert here. Uh, Sorry to disturb you on the night of the big match, but I wanted a word with Ellen and I think she left without her mobile? Uh, Maybe you'd tell her I called. Oh, and by the way, I have some news about the job for your sister. It seems the guy I was telling you about will be losing his PA. Yes, we were talking only this morning. Anyway, he's prepared to give Mary an interview. Yes, I think... Sorry, I just... Christ! Sorry, Gillian, I feel... I help... the doctor!
0: Quickly...
3: my God. Is he alive? Yes, leave it to me. Oh, why don't you sit down, Ellen? Really, I'd rather help. No,
0: it's all right, Ellen. I have it. Janet, you phone for an ambulance.
3: Of course. Uh, I have my mobile. Um, we need an ambulance at Cherry Tree House. It's about two miles south of the roundabout on the Liz Garvin Road.
0: Tell them it's cardiac arrest.
3: Uh, it's a cardiac arrest. If you could get here as soon as possible. OK, uh, thank you.
0: Janet, could you go for my medical bag, please, while I work on Robert?
3: Yes, of course.
0: The shortest way is on foot, over the stile there and across the lawn. Um, This one's for the hall door and uh, this one's for my surgery, where the bag is. Uh,
3: Fine. I'll be back soon, Ellen. You just sit tight.
1: All right, Janet. Perfect. I think a drink to celebrate would be in order, don't you?
0: God, I need something to settle my nerves. Look at my hand. I'm not quite dead yet, you know. Robert, you're not supposed to move. She could notice the different position when she comes back. She's in too much of a tizzy to notice details. And if anyone needs the elixir of life, it's Lazarus here.
2: Whiskey, everyone? Ah, A toast. To a fortune in insurance money.
1: To villainy and crime.
2: As a matter of ghoulish interest, what will I be certified as dying
0: of? I think a myocardial infarction will fit the bill nicely. Sounds impressive. Fancy name for a heart attack, really. My records will show that you've been suffering from angina. Ellen can confirm that you've been getting occasional chest pains. But being a stoic type... You didn't mention it to other people.
2: Such a nice man he was. Always said good morning,
0: nice and cheery like. <laughs> the phone call to Jillian confirms the time of the attack and makes the whole thing nice and authentic. Pity we'd to missed the match, though. I, I fancied our chances.
2: I think your share of the loot more than compensates. In fact, you could probably get into the record books for the most lucrative house call in the history of medicine. Yes, there is that. And congratulations on your performances in front of Janet. Very convincing. Well, let's hope everything else goes as smoothly. It's all in hand. I hid the bicycle and rucksack about a mile away. Once the ambulance deposits me in your surgery, I'll slip away and cycle off. A spell camping in the hills till the funeral is over, then quietly back here and lie low till the insurance check comes through. Then it's sunny skies, foreign climbs, and a life of leisure for Ellen and B,
0: And a nice, fat, tax-free nest egg for you. I know. It's just, well... It's a lot of money for the insurance people to pay out.
2: Don't be such a worrier, John. It's a lot to us, but it's small fry to a big insurance corporation. I dare say. Jesus. Must be Janet already. Quick, I
0: let her in.
3: Here's the bag.
0: Thank you, Janet, but...
3: Oh, my God. Is he...
0: I'm sorry, Janet, but I'm afraid we were too late.
3: (sighs) I'm so sorry, Ellen. Thank you, Janet.
0: Listen... I think I hear the ambulance. I let them in. Evening, Doctor. Hello, Tom. I'm afraid there's no need to rush. We were too late. Oh, too bad. On account of three. One, One two, two three. three Is
3: there anything I can do to help?
0: Perhaps you just stay with Ellen while we take away the remains. Of course. We're just going up to the surgery, Ellen. I'll be back very quickly.
3: All right. Why don't you lie down for a while? I'll get you something to drink. Janet, it's all happening so quickly. I, I can't believe it's real. Oh, There, <laughs> there, there. You just take it easy. At our age, you just don't expect... We're so sudden. I know. Really... The best thing to do would be to rest and try not to think of anything at all. Will you do that now? Yes. I'm sorry for making such a fuss. Not at all. Let me get you a brandy. What's happening?
0: The remains are in my surgery. Everything will be taken care of.
3: I was just thinking, maybe I'd better stay here with Ellen tonight.
0: I don't think that's actually necessary, Janet. I was going to keep an eye on things, being so close by.
3: No, no, you've a lot to do. What with... The remains and all that. I'll tell my sister that I'm staying here with Ellen.
0: Uh, That's very kind of you, Janet.
3: I could slip up and get my things and be back in half an hour.
0: There's no great rush. Leave it for an hour or so. I'll give Ellen something and she'll be more sedated by then.
1: Whatever you say. Thank you, Janet. All right, Ellen.
3: I'll see you later.
0: Well... How was my performance?
1: Wonderful. You were a great comfort at my moment of loss.
0: (laughs) You may laugh, but I was really nervous.
1: It didn't show. No problems offloading at the surgery?
0: None at all. The ambulance man knows that the undertaker from Ardmore uses my old surgery as a mortuary, so he just popped Robert onto the slab and left again immediately. Then when the undertaker arrives tomorrow, I'll tell him the postmortem's done and the remains have already been boxed. Expressed wishes of the deceased widow, who wanted no ghoulish gazing at her husband. He'll still get his full fee, and we cremate a coffin full of ballast.
1: Excellent. Mm. And once the funeral is over, then in everyone's mind, Robert is dead and buried. So when we actually kill him, there'll be no suspicion.
0: The perfect crime.
1: Exactly. And then after a decent interval, what could be more natural than the widow and her bridge partner falling in love and getting married?
0: I only wish it were tomorrow.
1: It can't be tomorrow. But we still have tonight. And Janet won't be back for an hour. I think we ought to make that an hour of celebration, don't you?
0: (laughs) I could be tempted.
1: There's a bottle of champagne in the fridge. Why don't you fetch it? I'll make room for two on the sofa.
0: All right. I'm looking forward to when every night will be for two.
1: I know. Don't hold your breath, darling. Don't hold your breath.
2: Funeral of renowned journalist. Right, into the album. Now, death takes place of Robert Bradshaw. Hmm. Lacking in colour, but I suppose it is at least the paper of record. And last, and by all means least, the local rag. Popular penman dies tragically. Well, how did it go?
1: Pretty well. I spoke to the claims manager. Their accounts department has a sanction now, and we should have the cheque by the end of next week.
2: Roll on the day.
1: What's in the scrapbook?
2: My obituaries. The one in the local rag is hilarious.
1: Aren't all these obituaries a bit morbid? More healthily curious.
2: It's nice to have it confirmed how wonderful you were. In fact, the worst thing in all this was missing the funeral. Now that would have been a sight.
1: The biggest sight at the funeral was the behaviour of that crowd from your magazine.
2: Oh dear. Upset our local pillars of respectability, did they? Dreadful, vulgar men.
1: They might at least have stayed sober till the service was over. Come
2: on, you must allow for shock.
1: Uh, You're not seriously suggesting any of that lot were truly grieved?
2: Well, perhaps not for me in particular... But one of their number kicking the bucket is upsetting. It's the old it-shouldn't-be-happening-to-us-yet syndrome.
1: Is that what you'd call it? I'd have called it sheer bad manners. Really? That's exactly what it was. Whereas
2: your behaviour is
1: impeccable. I don't make a show of myself in public.
2: No, you're a paragon of virtue.
1: I don't think this conversation is getting us anywhere. No? No. I suggest...
2: Oh, into the bloody cellar again.
4: Quickly, Robert. Good afternoon, Miss Bradshaw. Yes, can I help you? I hope so. I'm Inspector Kira Tobin. May I come in for a moment? Uh, Yes, yes, of course. This way. Well,
1: Inspector, what can I do for you?
4: I've a few questions about your husband's death, if you don't mind. My
1: husband's death? My husband died of a heart attack. It was certified by Dr. Marr. I don't really see how it's a police matter.
4: Your husband's case came up on the computer.
1: I'm sorry, I I don't follow you.
4: We get the computer readouts from the insurers on all death claims in this area. Occasionally we run spot checks. Your late husband was such a case. I see. He had his life insured for quite a large sum of money, larger than the norm. Any particular reason for that? Yes.
1: Um, About a year ago, Robert realised that if anything were to happen to him, my financial position wouldn't be adequate. He tended to see himself as a provider, so he took out a generous insurance premium on his life.
4: That strikes me as a little odd. Really? Well, the imagery jars a bit. Your husband was a film critic, I believe. Wrote for newspapers and magazines? Yes. That has a slightly bohemian air about it. It seems at odds with the type of man who sees himself in the traditional role of provider.
1: My husband was a paradoxical man, Inspector. In some ways modern, in other ways old-fashioned.
4: Indeed. The other point concerns your husband's health. I presume he did a medical before getting insurance? Yes. And there was no sign of heart trouble then? No. It developed later. Dr. Marr would have all the records if you wish to see them. That's all right. I'm sure I'd find them in order. I've another question, though. Was your husband buried or cremated? Cremated. It was an express wish of his. Pity. Pity? Yes. From a pathological point of view, it rules out an autopsy. Why would you want an autopsy? Isn't it obvious? Not to me. Maybe it's a question of perspective. To the insurance company it was a fairly straightforward case. They were happy enough with your doctor's records and the sum involved wasn't remarkably high by their standards. From a Garda perspective, it's slightly different. I don't see how. A man insures his life for a substantial sum of money. Not an astronomical sum to the insurance people, but a lot to an individual. Shortly afterwards, he develops a heart complaint, and shortly after that, he dies. And by the time we're aware of the circumstances, there's no evidence left. Are you implying some form of foul play, Inspector? It's always a possibility. That's ludicrous.
1: The only person to benefit from Robert's death is me. And the idea, the idea of my setting out to murder my husband, is outrageous. I wasn't even here when he had the heart attack.
4: It's perfectly possible to commit a murder without physically being present.
1: Just a moment, Inspector.
4: I don't like the trend of this conversation. Why, exactly, are you here? To tell you the truth, I wanted to see what kind of person you are. For what purpose? It has a bearing on the case. Really? And what have you decided? That you're decisive, self-assured, cool-headed, even under pressure.
1: I take it that's not a crime?
4: No, it's not. Though it's a decided asset if you want to commit one.
1: I think I've listened to enough of this. You come down here with half-baked ideas, none of which are backed by a shred of evidence. And you have the poor taste to parade them
4: before a woman who has just lost her husband. Your distaste is not very convincing. What? The role of the outraged widow doesn't wash. Your little secret is not quite so well kept as perhaps you thought.
1: What are you talking about?
4: I think you know.
1: I assure you, I don't.
4: Then let me remind you of your affair with Dr. Marr. You didn't conceal that well enough. Really? that that's, that's preposterous. No, it happens quite a bit, actually.
1: Dr. Marr and I are friends, of course, good friends. But to paint
4: it as something else, it's
1: nothing short of slanderous.
4: All right, let's talk plainly. We've checked your background thoroughly, so I know that you've been having an affair with the doctor. Obviously, having an affair isn't a crime in itself and I didn't come here to moralise about your private life. But when a situation actually exists, it's not smart to lie to the police about it, especially where a death has taken place. Do you understand?
1: Yes. Very well then. I did have an affair with Dr Marr.
4: Did have. Past tense. All right
1: then. I'm having. As you said yourself, that's not a crime.
4: When did this begin?
1: Not long after we moved here.
4: Before or after your husband took out his life insurance? Oh, for goodness sake.
1: Look, I know I lied about the affair. Almost anybody would. But that's it. My husband was just unfortunate enough to die of a heart attack. There's absolutely no link between his death and my relationship with Dr Marr. You can't actually prove that, can you? I don't have to prove it. In this country, you're innocent until proven guilty. And aside from the private matter of the affair, I'm completely innocent. Do you really expect me to believe that? You can believe what you like. I resent your suggestions. They're nothing but the wildest speculation. And we both know they'd be thrown out of any court of law. Now, if
4: you're quite finished... I'm not nearly finished. An illicit affair, followed by the sudden death of your husband. Inspector, please do one of two things. Either press charges or leave my house immediately. I won't be pressing charges. But before I leave, there's something I want to say. This is off the record. It's also the most important part of my visit. You see, I think you killed your husband. Before I met you, it was a possibility, a suspicion. Now I believe it. I can sense your ruthlessness. Really, I think Just listen. I can't prove anything. But I believe you managed it somehow. I'm not certain whether or not you involved Mar. But either way, you've covered your tracks very thoroughly. There's nothing I can do to prove any of this, but there's one thing I can do. I want to warn you. Never try this again, because I think you try something similar given the chance. Well, don't be tempted, because next time we'll catch you. You've been very clever this time round. You haven't left a shred of evidence, but heed my warning. I know how you can get a taste for something like this. So don't ever, don't ever try the same trick again. And that's my message to you, Miss Bradshaw. Good night.
0: You're listening to Paid in Full on Drama on News Talk.
1: Have you seen my car keys anywhere, Robert?
2: On the coat stand. But surely you're not going out.
1: I want to pop down to the village to get a few things. Won't be long.
2: But John's due down any minute.
1: I'll see him when I get back.
2: You're going to be missing when we carve up the spoils.
1: I don't think it makes much difference, really. I'll be back shortly.
2: No rush. We're only dividing a fortune.
1: See you later, then.
2: Right. Preparation time. One revolver fully loaded. Attach silencer. And we're ready for action. Perfect timing.
0: Ah, John. Evening, Robert. Come on into the front room. Have a nice fire going. Fine. Fine. Just a little something to celebrate the night that's in it.
2: Irish whiskey? If only all medicine tasted as good. Have a seat. Won't Ellen be joining us? What makes you think that? I don't know, it's just that her car wasn't in the drive when I came in. Very good, Dr. Watson. Or perhaps elementary. No, she's gone shopping. Anyhow, having supplied a bottle of Irish, I presume you'd like something to toast. Will I break out the loot?
0: Yes, please. I think you'll find it's all present and accounted for there. Even now it's hard to believe that we've actually done it. I know. Anything the matter? No, no, I just thought of something. Here we
2: are then. Anything with yours? No thanks, I'll have it neat. Me too, much better that way.
0: Well, will we toast our success?
2: Of course. But first, I have a question. By all means. This is a six marker. All right. What's my wife like in bed? Well, doctor, what's your diagnosis? How on earth should I know? But you're her family doctor. I'm sure she has no secrets from you. I don't think this is very humorous, Robert. Funny you should say that. I don't either. But then, we both know it isn't a joke. Don't we, lover boy? You can't be serious. There's never been anything like
0: that. How you got the idea? I think you abused my trust. It's not nice to cheat with a man's wife. Really, Robert, you've got this all wrong. I, I imagine it's all the bridge playing. Perhaps on reflection. Maybe it brings us together too much. You are not a very convincing actor, Mark. It's not acting. Honestly, Robert, this whole idea... Please, spare me the inventive
2: explanations. I just need to know why. Why Ellen? You're a big shot in this village. There must be plenty of women who'd respond to you. Why did it have to be my
0: wife? It's... It's hard to explain. I never intended it to happen. It simply did. I see. Look, I I know you've been unfairly treated and I know there's no justification for what we've done, but really, neither of us wanted to hurt you. Well, that's certainly
2: consoling. It's nice to know that when my wife and her lover are in bed, they're doing their best not to hurt
0: me. The point I was trying to make... I know the point. There was no premeditation. As if that's supposed to make it right. I understand your anger, Robert, and I don't blame you, but I'm sure we can tackle it man to man. Why don't we have a drink and try to work it out? That's your all-embracing prescription, isn't it? A stiff drink and a hearty chat. Isn't that a bit cliched? you You've every cause to be angry, but the best way... Look, the only way this can be resolved is by talking it through. Stiff upper
2: lip? Men of the world? All adults here? God, don't you ever tire of being a stereotype? I don't think that sort of attitude will help, Robert. Christ, you've a nerve. You go to bed with my wife,
0: and when I confront you, you have the gall to say my attitude won't help. Won't help who? Won't help you wangle your way out. What I meant was that what's happened can't be undone. The best thing now is for us to try and put things right. Us? Us? Don't try to play the
2: us card. You're not patronising some awestruck patient in your surgery. What I'm trying. I know what you're trying, you sanctimonious bastard. You're trying to play down your responsibility. You're trying to get me engaged in sorting out this problem. No. Yes. I can see your tack and it won't work. So save your quack psychology for manipulating your patients. You don't know the first thing about my patients. Except when you seduce them. You're not fit to be a doctor. How dare you?
0: I've given over 20 years of service to this community. Being a family doctor must be an adulterer's delight. Damn you! Nothing like this ever happened before, and who are you to pass judgement? Look at you, living your life secondhand, watching films. What have you contributed? Third-rate reviews that anyone stupid enough to go to films as often as you do could churn out. First you cheat
2: with my wife, then you insult my profession. But your worst mistake was to insult my intelligence. Did you really think I'd sit back and let you commit adultery and earn
0: a fortune, both at my expense? I don't have to listen to this. I'm not so desperate for money, even money I've earned, that I'll stay in here. You indulge yourself. Hold on to the money. We'll talk when you've cooled down. Hold it, Mar. Don't make me pull the trigger. You, you can't be serious. Try walking out the door and you'll
2: find out. No, look, Robert. Over here. Move. All right. Well, Doctor... How does it feel to be taking the medicine for a change? Oh, I hope you're not going to sulk. That would really spoil things. Now, if this were a 40s movie, there'd
0: be all sorts of terse dialogue between us. For God's sake, will you stop living in dreams? You have my share of the money. What more do you want? Quite a bit more, actually. You can't hope to have an
2: affair with my wife, belittle my profession and expect me to take it lying down. What do you want? I want satisfaction.
0: What's that supposed to mean?
2: The big sleep for Dr. Marr, I'm afraid. The what? The big sleep. The concrete overcoat. The
0: chest full of lead. Do I have to spell it out, Doc? That's crazy, Robert. Look, look. I'm sorry I spoke out of turn. I didn't mean to insult you or your profession. And as for Ellen and me, it was one of those things. I'm sorry, Robert. Truly, I am. Now, can we discuss this like two rational adults? There's nothing to discuss. The past can't be undone. Yes, but the future, Robert... That can be determined. Give me a chance to put that right, please. How would you propose to put it right? I'll talk to Ellen. I'll tell her it was a bad mistake and that it's all over now. Finished completely. And I'll forfeit my share of the money. You keep it all. That hardly redeems things between Ellen and me. It's not beyond redeeming. You've got an ideal chance to make a fresh start. You'd plan to take two new names and emigrate. Why not put this behind you? Start again as two different individuals. Easier said than done. But it can be done, Robert. Knowing you as I do, I think you can usually set yourself a goal and then achieve it. Maybe. But how do I know you mean what you say? How do I know that you're not just playing for time? Believe me, I mean it. I've had enough of this intrigue to last a lifetime. You'll never see me again, I assure you. You give me your word? Absolutely. You promise? Yes. Cross your
2: heart and hope to die in a barrel of rats? (laughs) Oh, that was really impressive. Much more convincing than your earlier lies. But of course, this is your area, isn't it? Gentle but firm doctor overcomes psychopathical patient by sheer force of personality. Very good. You realise, naturally, that I was letting you rabbit on to see
0: what sort of approach you'd make. God, can't you stop playing games? Look, all I want is to leave this whole thing behind. You and Ellen, take the money, go abroad, and we never see each other again. Isn't that a little
2: naive? For one thing, I don't want to leave any loose ends. And for another... I've a score to settle. No, Doctor, the only question is how we play the scene. Now, let's see. We could have your head blown to
0: a pulp a la Dirty Harry. I know what you want, Bradshaw. What's that? Don't be coy, Doctor. What do I want? You'd like me to start pleading for mercy. Well, you're going to be disappointed. Too bad. Meanwhile, best, I think, for yourself and Ellen to be killed by a mystery intruder. There's just one problem. You're not going to do it. You've played your little game and I believed it for a while, but not any longer. I'm calling your bluff. Are you? Yes. You'll have to stop me. Good night, Robert. Jesus!
2: Don't be in such a rush, Doctor. The night is young.
0: You crazy bastard!
2: I think you ought to keep a civil tongue in your head. One on the other thigh, and you won't have a leg to stand on, so to speak. Now, where were we? Ah, uh, yes, the choice of scene. Actually, I think we'll go for the joint death scene. And I wouldn't bother bandaging that if I were you. Waste of time. For
0: God's sake! Can you really commit murder because your wife committed one infidelity?
2: It's not just the infidelity. It's also my answer to her contempt. Once, she found me interesting. But of course, being the sort of superficial bitch she is, she turned away when the novelty wore off. Mind you, she put enough effort into our marriage to keep it intact, just about enough. But now I realise she was casting around, just ticking over in neutral till something better came along. I'm sorry, Robert. Don't be. Having an affair with the country doctor may have entertained her, but you would have been ditched when the moment was ripe. I know Ellen's style better than you, and believe me, you wouldn't have met her long-term goals. And then, of course, there's another matter. The reason for your visit tonight. Collecting my share? Don't play dumb, Mar. The real reason was to kill me. What? Please don't irritate me with denials. From your point of view, it was the logical move. You get all the money between you and I'm conveniently disposed of. Tell me something. How did Ellen land you with the dirty work? Was it what you had to do to prove your love? Yes, Probably something like that. I could force it out of you, but it would be more enlightening to hear it from Ellen. Look, Robert, this is sheer fancy. You can't... Don't tell me what I can or can't do. It's ludicrous under the circumstances. Besides, I think it's time you visited the great surgery in the sky. No, Robert, for God's sake. are not doctors supposed to remain detached? Very unethical to get emotionally involved.
0: For God's sake, Robert, it's only empty vengeance. It can't undo what's happened. Nothing can. Mar, do we just make things worse? It's
2: futile! Futile is the word, all right, for your pathetic pleas. Goodbye, Mar. (coughs) One down,
0: one to go. Hello?
1: Robert!
2: You look like you've seen a ghost.
1: Uh, I'm fine. You startled me.
2: Aren't you wondering where John is?
1: Uh, yes. Did you pay him?
2: Oh, I paid him, all right.
1: Had he to go off on a call or something? You
2: could say he was called. His bluff was, at any rate.
1: What do you mean? Is he here or isn't he?
2: Well, he's here, all right, but he's not really with us anymore. Let me show you. <gasps>
1: My God! What happened? I killed him. You what? I killed him. I don't understand.
2: He tried to kill me, there was a struggle, and he came out worse. I
1: can't believe it.
2: The sight of money must have made him greedy. He reached for the poker and swung at me, but I managed to duck just in time.
1: Robert, I can hardly believe it. Really? Uh, I mean, he was getting his share. I'd never have suspected him of greed or violence.
2: (laughs) You'd never have suspected him of violence.
1: Robert, what's the matter with you?
2: I'm amused by your surprise. It's pretty funny considering you sent him to kill me. What? You heard me.
1: You can't be serious. Can't I? You really believe that I put John up to killing you?
2: I'll have to hand it to you. You're quick on your feet, never identify with a loser, eh? But for all the cleverness, you haven't been quite clever enough. You really didn't think I'd suspect your affair, did you? Silly old Robert caught up in his films and reviews. Something along those lines, wasn't it? No! Marr admitted the affair before he died, so don't bother denying it.
1: Oh, Robert. It's all such a mess. I'm so sorry. I never... I never meant to hurt you. What are we going to do now?
2: We aren't going to do anything. We have ceased to exist. Did you seriously think you could switch sides because you've backed the loser? Do you really take me to be that naive?
1: Robert, I don't know what John told you. He was probably trying to protect himself. Please, let me explain from my side. I'm listening. Look, look, I admit I had an affair... I should never have done it, and I'm sorry, truly. But to suggest I'd be a party to murder, that never entered my head. And Ma? Don't you see? He was trying to turn the tables, trying to shift the blame from himself onto me. I would never harm you, Robert. Never.
2: Bravo. Bravo. You know... You missed your vocation. You were made a wonderful actress. Wonderful, that is, for superficial scheming-type roles. Such a fluent little liar. You still think you can fool me, don't you?
1: No, Robert, I'm telling the truth.
2: No. You thought you could twist the truth to almost emerge as a heroine, but I heard too many easy explanations when you were cheating with Mar. Aren't you wondering how your boyfriend died? I'll show you. Excellent weapon. Do you realise I could shoot you now, take the money, and no one would ever suspect me of anything? After all, I was cremated six weeks ago.
1: Please, Robert. I, I can't think straight. Would you mind, could you pour out a couple of whiskeys? Please. All right, then. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. I don't feel... The
0: drink. Jesus. The drink.
1: You bitch. The whiskey. Listen to me, Robert. Listen carefully because these are the last words you'll ever hear. (coughs) You're going to be dead soon. Dead, do you hear? John has had the last laugh. You drank his poisoned whiskey. Of course we were always going to kill you. (coughs) You. I don't want you to think for a moment, though, that his death ruins things for me. He was just a stepping stone. A wealthy woman won't be lonely for long. (coughs) Think of that as you die, Robert. (coughs) Okay. Think, Ellen, think. Drag the bodies to the kitchen door. Bring the car around the back. Load them in the boot. John first. Okay, that'll do. Now for Robert.
2: You've seen Jaws too. Jesus! You've seen Godfather too. Now see Lazarus too. Awful to be outwitted, isn't it? Especially when the Queen is taken by a mere pawn. Want to know what really happened with Mar? No? Well, I'll tell you anyway. Mar, of course, never attacked me with a poker, he wouldn't have the guts no his plan was the agreed one which you've just tried the glass of poisoned whisky that i'd swallow first but there was something in his manner and besides i was half expecting some sort of attempt on my life so i avoided taking the medicine as it were and gave the doctor something to ventilate his chest then i tried out his whisky on your cat and lo and behold suspicions correct in the shape of one dead putty-tat Fritz dies that his master may live. Which just leaves us with his mistress and her exit. Any special preferences, dear? I'll try to accommodate you. Blindfold and cigarette. Final gin and tonic. Stop, can't you? Stop it. What's happened to your philosophical take on death? Only applied to other people's deaths. Husbands, lovers, expendables like that.
1: Please, Robert, please. Christ! Back off. Back off or I'll blow your brains out. All right. All right. Now, you bastard. By God, there'll be no blindfold for you. No,
2: Ellen, wait. Please, please, I can explain.
1: Save your explanation. For God's sake,
2: Ellen, for God's sake, just listen. It was a game, a charade. I was angry and I wanted to make you suffer, but I had no intention of harming you.
1: Save your breath. Give me the gun, Ellen. Even your final words are a cliché. You know, you're
2: not the kind of dame to use a rod. (laughs) Rasputin, eat your heart out. Perhaps I could offer you these? They're far more effective than blanks, as you'll see in a moment. I'll take the Webley, thanks.
1: You... you planned this out. You planned this all out, you warped bastard!
2: That's a bit rich, dear, with adultery, fraud and attempted murder under your belt.
1: You were always weird, living in your fantasy world. But these sick games, what's the point? The point?
2: To let you be on the receiving end for once. How do you think I felt when you were out with Mar? Going behind my back, making a fool of me? Laughing at my films? How do you think I felt? You wouldn't know. Because you never worry about how other people feel. Well, they feel like you feel now. Foolish. Worried. Wondering what's going to happen next.
1: Are you wondering what's going to happen next? Yes. What's the trick this time? Bullets made from rubber? A few near misses to see how I cringe?
2: No. The trick this time is that I really shoot you. And the variation is that you can wonder if that's the trick or if I will.
1: I'm not going to wonder. Because you're not going to do it. Aren't I? No. You wouldn't get away with it. Why not? Because two more deaths would mean police involvement.
2: Naturally. When the police find yourself and Mar dead here and the safe open, they'll be very involved, very involved with looking for the person who broke in and did it. I doubt, though, if a man who's been dead for six weeks will be on their wanted list.
1: That's where you're wrong. Really? Do you remember the day Inspector Tobin called here?
2: Yes, some red tape about the death cert.
1: That's what I told you. In actual fact, she was suspicious. She smelt a rat with the insurance money. She couldn't prove anything, but she asked lots of questions. And somehow, somehow, she'd found out about John and me. If we're both suddenly found dead, the first thing to occur to her will be jealousy. Don't you think it will enter her head that you never died? That it's all just a little bit too coincidental? You die, the insurance money gets paid, and two people having an affair are killed, all in the space of a few weeks? She's a sharp woman. She wouldn't fall for it. And you wouldn't get away with it. Is that so? Look, let's be realistic. We have no future together, but we can still gain from this. We can split the money and go our separate ways. Once I'm alive, there'll be no questions asked about whether you died or not. And Marr's death? It's nothing to do with us if John Marr disappears without a trace.
2: (laughs) It's not bad. For off-the-cuff lying, I have to hand it to you. But it's too glib. An eagle-eyed detective who knows the whole background and whose suspicions would be aroused by your death? Very fortunate for you, but not very convincing.
1: For God's sake, this is not a game. She really is suspicious. She hasn't got proof, but she's just waiting and watching for one wrong move. How come you're only mentioning this now? How could I mention it before? I could hardly tell you that she knew about John and me... But if anything were to happen to me, you can be sure she'd be probing and questioning.
2: Yes, I dare say she would, if there was an ounce of truth in your story. It's true, Robert. I swear it. Try not to be so melodramatic. It's unbecoming.
1: Funny, I don't feel pathetic now. How do you feel? If you're waiting for me to beg, you're mistaken. We've had too many death games already.
2: I agree, actually. Play a game too many times and it loses its appeal. What's needed, then, is a little realism, don't you think? No stirring last words? Not even a final imaginative lie? Very well, then. As you wish. Goodbye, Ellen.
1: No, Robert. No, no.
2: Sorry, dear. You gave me no choice. Right. Two black sacks, into the boot of the car, and buried up the mountains.
4: Mr Bratchel?
2: Inspector Tobin. Come on in. Thank you. Step into the living room. Right. Have a seat. I wasn't expecting you so soon.
4: I made good time on the motorway. I hope I haven't disturbed you.
2: No, that's okay. Will you have a drink before we get to business? Or don't you drink on duty?
4: I think under the circumstances the rules can be waived. I'll have a scotch.
2: Fine. Now, one rule-waving scotch. Thanks. Cheers. Well, I suppose you'd like your share. Without further ado, I have accounted for you.
4: Actually, I wanted to talk to you about that. Yes? I was thinking about it. In view of the hall, my fee for creating Inspector Tobin doesn't seem very high. And I did succeed admirably at my task. I thought we could renegotiate.
2: Aren't you getting things a bit out of perspective? I don't think so. Then maybe I haven't explained it well enough. Let's be clear, your role was secondary. I suspected my wife of having an affair, but I needed evidence. You extracted an admission from her under the guise of police questioning. Very good, but let's face it, lots of other amateur actors could have created the role of Inspector Tobin. And bearing that in mind, I think you're being paid quite well.
4: There may be others who could play the part, but how many would have had the nerve to get involved in a fraud? And how many would have had that air about them? That indefinable air of daring that would prompt you to sound them out in the first place. No, Robert. I was the ideal candidate. Nobody in this part of the country knows me or is likely to trace us together. I was perfect, and I think I'm worth more than you propose paying.
2: Why didn't you say that at the beginning?
4: It was only on reflection that I saw my true value.
2: I see. No doubt you've a figure in mind.
4: Well, yes, but I'm open to negotiation.
2: I think I need a refill to deal with this. Irish whiskey, It's quite special. A superb 20-year-old.
4: Sure. On the rocks, please.
2: Well then, what do you think your efforts merit?
4: There were four people involved. I think a four-way split would be reasonable.
2: That's much more than we agreed. I think you're being a bit greedy. Cheers.
4: Let's stop pussyfooting around. I want my fair share, and I'm going to have it.
2: Are you indeed?
4: I've only got to ring the police, and your number is up.
2: Really? And what will you do? Ring the station and say, Hello, my name is Sarah Byrne. I was involved in a fraud, and now the man who organised it won't
4: increase my share. Can you help? Nothing so naive. But an anonymous call to the local station suggesting they visit here this evening would be awkward for you.
2: If you did that and I got caught, you'd get no money at all.
4: True. And then we'd both be losers. So, why not settle for a little less? Pay me a reasonable sum and we both come out as winners.
2: You could be bluffing about the police.
4: I could. And you could risk everything and call my bluff. But I don't think you'd be that silly.
2: All right. I'll get the key to the safe. You were saying something about shilly-shallying? What are you playing at? Oh, I never play with guns. And I think you said that nobody would trace us together. And I'm sure you were careful not to be seen driving here this evening, right?
4: Come on. I mean, I was just asking for a fair crack of the whip.
2: Really? I'd hate to see you being avaricious.
4: Anyone would have done the same thing. It's, it's only a quarter. It's not that outrageous.
2: It's the principle. We made an agreement, but you weren't willing to keep it.
4: Look, let's just leave things as they were, okay? Stick to the original amount and no hard feelings, all right?
2: I can't let you go now. I'd only be leaving myself open to blackmail later on.
4: Later on you'll be out of the country. Let's just leave things as they stand. I promise you there'll be no complications. You're
2: missing the point. I can't trust you. You can, I swear. No. I have to protect myself and you've made yourself too dangerous. Pity, but there you are.
4: And your wife? What are you going to say when she comes in? That you murdered the detective?
2: Oh, I think my wife is past caring. She and her lover boy no longer have any worries. What do you mean? Over to the kitchen door and open it.
4: (gasps) Mother of God, you killed her because of an infidelity?
2: It's more involved than that, actually, but it needn't concern you.
4: You'll never get away with it.
2: I'll be gone, living abroad with a new identity, and I assure you, I'll be untraceable.
4: And anyone who gets in your way is disposable?
2: Anyone who tries to cheat me pays for it.
4: There's just one thing that you've overlooked.
2: Really? What's that?
4: How are you going to explain that? What? You should have shared, Mr Bradshaw. Now I'll have everything in your safe. Right, that's a nice wad of cash And what the hell, waste not, want not One glass of 20-year-old Irish whiskey, Down the hatch
3: <laughs> Paid in Full was written and produced by Brian Gallagher The part of Robert was played by Angus Oak mcanally Ellen, Sharon Hogan Dr. Mar, Marco Regan Janet, Marion O'Dwyer and Inspector Tobin, Mary Murray Sound engineering was by Ross and Dave O'Connor This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licensing fee